Welcome to the XCGS Cart by Cart podcast, the first and only podcast covering Atari's last answer, the 8-bit gaming system. In episode 13, we have a dandy of a show where we crawl through two dungeon-based shooters. First, we review the XCGS game Dark Chambers, then we pit it against the 8-bit arcade version of Gauntlet. Who will be victorious? Now here are your hosts, David and Michael. So we have a little bit of news to share with you, and although this is uh, 2015 news, since we were talking about both Dark Chambers and Gauntlet, I figured out this was worth mentioning. Dark Chambers for the 2600 was given the Gauntlet treatment via Dark Chambers hack by CDS Game. The latest version was a 32K update. As usual, we'll provide you with links to the Atari Age thread in our show notes. And that's all the news that we have today. But uh, Michael, what's up with you? Sure. Um, well, I uh, I got it on a short time release of the Incognito board for my 800, and for my birthday I got some retro swag. Uh, I also went to the Northwest Pinball and Arcade Show in Tacoma that was held from May 31st to June 2nd of 2019. Of course, um, the room was filled with so many arcade games and pinball machines. They also had many speakers. Uh, put a note uh, link in the show notes. But most of the time I spent was playing the game. So, oh, and I also um, met Butch Patrick, a TV's Eddie Munster, and Star Lidsville mm-hmm. there. Um, didn't buy anything from him, but I just wanted to say hello. Uh, also, for Father's Day, my family and I took a trip down to Tacoma to uh, the arcade uh, called Dorkies. They also had one of those electromagnetic, uh, magnetic, mechanical pong games. You know, that you've probably seen the big tables are very expensive, and that was kind of fun to play. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just played a bunch more games and some pinball and stuff, and it was a, it was a good Father's Day. So, what about you, David? Well, uh, before we go on to me, I wanted to ask you a question about sure. uh, the electromechanical pong. Yeah. Now, is that the really nice uh, one that I've seen, uh, where uh, you have um, it looks like a, could almost look like a coffee table? Yep. Uh, and uh, you got uh, big uh, paddle knobs on each side, and. Yep. Uh, and you do see the you have actual three dimensional uh, flippers on both sides and the ball, um, but when you play that, do you, did you get any? Do you feel any lag between? I didn't notice any. It was is relatively crisp. I mean, it was it it felt like you're playing pong. Um, okay. Other than you know it was mechanical, so it wasn't exactly as smooth as a as a you know the video game, but it was still kind of a novel. Uh, concept and I enjoyed playing it. It was and st- was really surprised to see it there. But I guess Dorky's is sort of a big arcade in Tacoma. So, well, I would definitely want maybe one of those electrical uh, mechanical pong games one day. Yeah, uh, when it's on uh, clearance at ninety nine percent off <laughs> and yeah, uh, free shipping. Uh, yeah, uh, those things are pretty pricey. So I I, I don't think you're going to see it at your dollar store anytime soon. Well, first I got to get my 1970s basement worked out first. Yeah. Uh, then I'll worry about the uh, Pong. But anyway. Yeah. Okay, so there's not, not much uh, news uh, for me on the retro side of things. Uh, we do have a new Atari 5200 uh, interview episode with Ryan Whitmer of Average Software and his current and past works of Ratcatcher, Real Sports Curling, uh, which some uh, which some group in Europe has converted Hmm. to play on an Atari 8-bit computer. Now, we're not exactly sure how that works out because um, uh, Ryan had uh, made this specifically for the 5200, and as as we all know, the 5200 has analog controls. But I guess with some uh, really uh, intelligent programming, they were able to sort of uh, simulate, um, you know, that same kind of feel on an Atari uh, uh, 800. So... Anyway, kudos to the people in Europe for bringing uh, real sports curling <laughs> to more Atari users. And um, we also got a sneak peek of his upcoming Atari 5200 project. It's called Magical Fairy Force. The game is very heavily influenced by Twinkle Star Sprites, a Neo Geo game. Twinkle Star Sprites uh, is a competitive top-down vertical shooter featuring a cast of cutesy characters blowing up each other. I was also a guest on the Arcade Perfect podcast, episode 32, featuring Moon Patrol. I was there to represent Atari in all its glory. Nice. How'd you get invited to that? Uh, I'm just a friend with the host. Oh, okay. (laughs) How convenient. Yes. (laughs) 
so let me ask you a question about curling. Um, being yes. a, a, a guy from the States, uh, curling yeah. is not exactly that uh, big down here, but we do like our hockey. Um, yes. But in the scheme of things, where does curling lie compared to, say, hockey? Well, the thing was, um, what Ryan was telling us was he started out in uh, Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. And I live in Toronto, Canada. So we're, we we would watch the same, almost the same TV channels. Mm-hmm. And whereas uh, curling was big uh, here in, um, I guess you could say, East Coast Canada. And um, I guess it had some influence in the Buffalo region as well. Mm-hmm. And he also was on a curling team in the States too. Oh, so that's how he got the idea for curling. And he has told us that Canadian sales are strong. Wow. Okay. Of the homebrew game. Yeah. So um, uh, my co-host, Bob Benedetti, mm-hmm. uh, uh, who has, who also owns this game, he's played it uh, a lot of hours with his daughter. And he just says that the physics are um, just great in hmm. the game. Like Ryan really pulled off the physics really well. Now, of course... You know, curling it doesn't compare at all to hockey. Right, right. It was sort of like me. It was sort of like you. I guess it was sort of like you asking me, "Well, how does tennis compare to uh, ping pong?" Well, I don't, and when I mean comparison, I mean popularity wise. So, you know, if you said, yeah. "What's the pop- popularity of say baseball to ba- uh, to basketball or baseball yeah. to football?" I could give you kind of an idea based on, you know, yeah. my gut feeling certain areas. But I didn't know. I mean, I've seen curling on TV, but. Yeah. You don't know how other countries view games. They could be like, "Oh, we're just wild about curling." <laughs> well, well, those guys in Europe who uh, converted it over to a regular Atari eight bit, they must have loved it. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I guess it must be big somewhere there as well. Yeah. Now you're now when we talk about sports, I want all the listeners to understand when we talk about sports. I'm the worst guy to ask any sports question because the only sport I used to watch as a kid was professional wrestling, and that turned out to be fake. (laughs) Well, I was a professional bench warmer, so um, I can tell you stuff about the sport based on where I am on the bench, but that's about it. Okay. Yeah, I was was never into it much. I played, but not good, and uh, so they kept me where I I belonged. (laughs) Well, the only sport that I had any uh, skill at was in high school it was just high school football and the fact that i was uh 275 pounds helped (laughs) you were the line (laughs) yes the atari jaguar is it just the punchline to a joke or is there more to the story behind this distinctive console on the atari jaguar game by game podcast we take an in-depth look at the jaguar one game at a time which, you know, I hope is obvious given the name of the show. We dig deep into each Atari Jaguar game, find out what makes it tick, and learn some surprising secrets along the way. Find us on the web at jaguar.gamebygamepodcast.com or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Uh, For free, it's a free show. But enough Jaguar talk, let's back it up a few years and learn more about the pastel glory that is the Atari XEGS here on the XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. All right. Well, I guess we've got uh, our first game to go over, Dark Chambers. It's uh, published by Atari in 1988. Its model number is RX-8101. The genre is a shooter, top-down dungeon crawl. Developer was uh, Chuck PV of Sculptured Software. Uh, number of players is either one or two uh, simultaneously, so they can play it. Obviously, the word means at the same time. <laughs> so let's uh, read the description on the back of the box. You're the only one brave enough to enter the castle's dark chambers. Once inside the foreboding castle, a dark staircase leads you to a murky depths of the labyrinth below. Go alone or find safety in numbers with your faithful companion. Throw daggers at this threatening band of humanoids, living skeletons, ghosts, evil wizards, and grim reapers. Stand back to back with your partner to fight them off. Then descend further beneath the earth's surface. Collect magic potions and treasure chests as you encounter them in the tangled rooms and corridors. Use keys found on the paths to open the doors. Take food and drink along the way to keep up your strength. Danger lurks everywhere in the underground maze. You must conquer the evil guardians to make yourself master of the subterranean domain. 
three skill levels. So, let's talk a little bit about the gameplay. Um, after you power on the game, uh, title screen appears. Immediately, some music plays, reminiscent of an older time. The title, Dark Chambers, appears at the top of the screen in old English font. Uh, for your information, Windows OS has a very similar font called Old English Text MT. In the center of the screen, your view is from inside a room with brick walls, cobblestone floors, and wood plank ceiling. At the far wall is an open door flanked by two flickering torches. Beyond the door is darkness except for two glowing eyes. It's very creepy. At the bottom of the screen will show the current difficulty level, the number of players, and there's also a copyright info and the current high score, which since this is a cartridge with no storage ability, it displays as about six zeros. If you wait uh, for the music to finish, you're treated with a short demo of the game. And then it just loops over and over with music and and then demo and stuff like that. So uh, to select a different difficulty, press the select or move the joystick right or left. And to choose between three options, beginner, standard, which is your default, and advanced. To choose the number of players, select the option key or move the joystick up or down. You can choose between one player, which is the default, or two players. This is the cooperative mode. Uh, by the way, I noticed in the manual it says to select, uh, press the select button to manipulate both options. That doesn't, uh, that's, that doesn't work like that. Uh, so I guess we had a sleeping editor at the, at the helm there. Uh, to start the game, just press the start button or fire button. Uh, during the gameplay, uh, you can press the select to pause the game, and start will return to the tile screen. It kind of acts like a uh, like a reset, except for your high score doesn't get reset. At the start of the game, uh, you'll be shown the current level you are on, which starts at A, and if you know your alphabet, it ends at Z. But the manual states it's 26 levels and then maybe beyond. And the beyond just means it unceremoniously starts at A again, but this time the difficulty increases. Oh, I thought they just lied because nobody would have made it to Z <laughs> or Z anyway. Well, um, I'll tell you a little bit more about that later on uh, okay. when I give my review. So on the game screen, uh, now if you're playing single player, you can move freely anywhere on the play field. But in co-op mode, you're kind of tethered to your companion. So um, you guys kind of have to stick together or one will essentially fight against the other to try and move. So it's a, obviously it's cooperative play. You must cooperate together. Um, the only, uh, you only see a fraction of the entire play field, but there's no what they call fog of war or line of sight effect. So you'll always see what's on the screen. There's never anything hiding behind walls or anything. And at the bottom of the screen will be displayed the current score of each player as well as their health which is shown as a decreasing bar when the player takes uh, damage. Uh, also shows you the, the current level you're on. Uh, each player appears to be dressed in as of like Robin Hood or Nintendo's Link with slight differences in the outfit color. As you traverse the dangerous corridors, you will encounter many creatures and items. And your destination are stairs uh, to take you to the next lower level. Remember, we never mentioned the big N on an Atari podcast. Oh, sorry, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was a rule. That's all right. It's my rule. <laughs> I do not like the big N. Well, if I didn't see the big N, then then uh, I said link. They would think that maybe I was uh, talking about a hyperlink. So I had to had to use it. Sorry, man. <laughs> all right, it was offense to my ears, but let's continue. <laughs> so, um, so you don't exactly encounter a single enemy. What you the manual calls these creatures ghouls. But uh, as you shoot one, they'll transform into actually a weaker enemy. So let's discuss these ghouls and from weakest to strongest. You start out with zombies, and they explode when you slay them. Then you got the bone-shaking skeletons, and they covet your skin. The race, which appear as a profile of a hooded figure, uh, they will try to scare you to death. Wizards appear dressed in a flowing cloak. They will attack you without mercy. And finally, the Grim Reaper. These creatures will bring death upon you if you let them get close. Um, these Now, there's these things called spawners. The ghouls are generated by five types of spawners. Just as uh, with ghouls, as you shoot them, they will mutate into a weaker form. Each type will generate uh, one of the types of ghoul previously mentioned. But watch out for the underground spawners. These look like ladders coming up from a hole, and these are un- indestructible. Other hazards, if the enemies weren't a hazard enough, 
Uh, you also have to keep your eyes peeled for deadly poisons as well as traps. The glowing ones being the most dangerous. Uh, these will sap your strength. Of course, uh, you can't survive on wits alone and strewn about the hallways are many items to assist you in your quest. Uh, the gun will increase your shooting speed. The dagger will make your shots more powerful. Shields will maximize your, the amount of health uh, you lose when the enemy touches you. The bomb will destroy all ghouls and curses in your area, kind of like a smart bomb from Defender. Uh, you can carry up to 15 of these. To night one, you just press the fire button twice or select the number one or two button, depending on which player you are. And you can also de uh, detonate a bomb by shooting it. Potions and food will increase your strength, but if the bar appears full, food will not affect it. Keys will unlock locks. <laughs> That's pretty common. And will reveal the secret contained uh, behind them. You can carry up to 15 keys. Unlocking items will give you uh, about 100 points. And I found that really it's... If you, you can gather up keys if you don't unlock all the doors, but a lot of times you need to unlock the door to get to a level which is necessary to escape. So don't think you'll have a ton of keys in your, in your pocket. Um, hearts will increase your strength if you shoot them, but if the hero character is in need of these, they will transform into one of those spawners. Uh, collect strong boxes, amulets, and chalices. The golden ones will bring the most value. If you find a weapon you already have, shoot it for a bonus points, but it's a two-player game. Both players must have the weapon in their inventory for you to collect those points. For scoring, uh, how much of these things will gain or cost you? Let's find out. Let's talk first about the very bad things that live in the dungeons. Ghouls and their spawners will earn you the same amount of points. Grim Reapers are worth 100 points, but getting cold by them will detract 16 points. Wizards will gain you 60 points, while getting poked by their staff stick you with a negative 8 points. Wraiths will earn you up to 40 points, but feeling the presence will gift you a minus 6 points. Skeletons will yield you 20 points, but their chilling embrace will cost you 4 bones. And the lonely zombies' rotting flesh is a paltry 10 points, but you'll have 2 points removed if they take you in the skin game. And then there are the cursed items. A glowing trap will capture 96 points from you, while the unilluminated version of this will only snare 64 points. And taking a hit off the flask of poison will consume 32 points from you. If you have a shield in your inventory, these deductions will be cut in half. So there's a bunch of good things that are strewn. It's not just bad. And these are what I call the goodies. A gold chalice will runneth over for 3,000 points. The amulet will invoke 1,000 points. The silver chalice will be filled with 500 points. The strong box will contain 100 points. And both food and potions will add 32 energy units to your health bar. So let's talk about the, the legacy of the game. Well, of course, everybody probably knows this comes uh, originally came from the game Dandy, um, which was originally released in 1983, and it was featured in the APX catalog, and in 1985 was rebranded under Antic. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the game was the impetus of these types of games. I mean, if you want to hear more about it, tune into the Antic podcast, interviewed 164, to hear more about Dandy and John Howard, I'll see if I pronounce his name, Palvich? Palvich, yes, John Howard Palvich, his other creations for Atari like Deep Blue Sea. Now, uh, John not only released the source code for Dandy, but also rep reproduced the game in several other languages. Uh, we'll provide links to sh in the show notes. And of course, we've got Gauntlet, the 1985 arcade game, and we'll talk more about that later. Um, there are also two ports, the 2600 and the 7800 uh, versions. Uh, we talked about the 2600 hack, the uh, original 2600 version, uh, appears as larger characters, but it's still very colorful. And the 7800 looks a lot like this version, just with more colors. So, so uh, where can you buy this game? Well, uh, found it at Video 61 for $29.95 uh, US dollar in box, or on eBay for $110.62 uh, new in box. It was also listed as a yen uh, price, so I'm guessing this was probably out of Japan, and that was listed at $99. So, um, and uh, the shipping on that was for US dollar was $30.17 and uh, for yen it's $27. Uh, so, you mean we, so you mean we might have a Japanese listener to the Atari XCGS cart by cart podcast? Let's hope. So you can definitely run down there and buy that. Okay. <laughs> or, or get it on, on uh, eBay. But no other places that we usually mention had it in stock. So it's sort of, um, I guess it's sort of rare. I don't know. So let's talk about the game reviews, David. So for graphics, 
I gave this game an 8 out of 10. It's got a great title screen. I love the torches, the fire effect. Mm -hmm. Good details on the characters and objects are easily recognizable. However, enemies are the same colors as whatever the walls and backgrounds are uh, on that level. So if they... If you go from one level or one dungeon level to another level and the background color is different, then the color of the enemies change as well. So basically, they're always matching. The enemies always match whatever the dungeon color is. Um, it's got some nice details on the walls uh, made to look like stones. And the floor has little dots on them to kind of show it's a, it's kind of like a terrain. For sound and music, I gave it a 7 out of 10. It's got really nice intro tune that gets you into that fantasy mood of medieval times long gone. The rest of the sound effects are your usual 8-bit uh, Atari sounds, but they do the job. But there are some still some little nice sounds that pop up here or there and sound effects in the game. For gameplay, I gave it a 7 out of 10. It's a great gimmick of enemies taking multiple hits to destroy, and each hit turns each enemy into its lesser form. Presentation, I gave it an 8 out of 10. Just love that title screen. Love those little torches that I mentioned before. It's got really nice box art on the box and on the cart. The back of the box has two actual game screenshots, but the manual is your usual cost-cutting Zeg's budget type. So when we calculate this all, my overall score for this game is 7.75 out of 10. Michael, what did you think about this game? Well, I give uh, I give the gra graphics an 8 out of 10. I uh, thought the ghouls and spawners were well drawn, and you can really tell what they were, so that's, that's always a bonus. Um, I found the level design was well done, and levels aren't always the same color, so it changes up a little bit. Um, other elements uh, on the screen also contain more color, so... I think it was like the, the ladder down was multiple colors. And I think the keys were multiple colors. So it wasn't always, although the monsters themselves or the ghouls were, and the spawners were all the same color as the level, uh, there was a little bit of extra color, and I like that. Uh, for sound and music, I did give it an eight. And I love the intro music. <laughs> um, so hold on a second. Why did you love the intro music? Was I, it because it gets you in that fantasy mood of medieval times long gone? <laughs> I would like to say that, but actually here's what I think. I thought it was actually more fitting for something like a high seas pirating adventure game or a 17th century military game. It just didn't fit the, the style. It was great. It just didn't quite fit. But, um, you know, the, the game also provided many different sound effects and some were familiar to other, or I should say similar to other games you've played. Um, but some were quite unique. So it was, it was well done. Uh, for the gameplay, I give it an 8. Uh, players and ghouls move very smoothly. Uh, you can only get one type of player to play with, um, offering m more could have allowed players to more opportunity for different types of playing styles. But since there isn't that many monsters on the screen at one time, uh, there wouldn't be much of a need for that. I actually uh, played the game from A to Z and beyond. Went all the way to the end and then came around again. And they say the skill level increases. I didn't notice anything. It was about the same gameplay, but, you know, maybe I need to go through the alphabet one more time. Who knows? Oh, and, and controls were good. I had no issues using them, and the firing was pretty straightforward. Um, I did have some issues with the uh, trying to do the bombs. You're supposed to double-click real quick, and that was difficult. So I found that it was probably better that you just use the keyboard button to uh, activate the bombs. For presentation, I gave it a 7. Uh, Tato Screen is one of my favorites. It's simple, but it has a great, uh, it uses a great use of color and style, and it really sets the mood, especially what with that music. <laughs> Even though it doesn't match, it's still great music. The box co cover image uh, looks a little bit amorish, amorish, amateurish to me. <laughs> um, it contains a lot of elements that could have been used for a more professionally drawn image, but it looks like this is kind of the first draft, and they just went with it. They should have went back to the drawing board. For the back of the box, is what you expect from the XEGS line of games, as you mentioned, sort of a budgety look, text and some screenshots on a white background. It's kind of meh. Um, comes with a six-page manual. It does a pretty good job explaining how to play the game, as well as all the elements of the game. Um, of course, no color, and there were some mistakes. In addition to the previously mentioned bug in the manual, I also found two more errors or omissions. 
under the system requirements, it says you need an XL or XE computer, but this is a 64K cartridge. And if you have a 600XL, you're kind of out of luck on that. Also, in two places, they mention ghouls and curses. Now, uh, they do call out what the ghouls are. They're monsters. But they don't mention what the curses do. So I can only make assumptions that these are um, the spawners, the poison, and the traps. But they should have clarified that. So overall, I give it an 8 out of 10. Uh, I think it's very well done. The only problem I have with it is the replayability factor is probably one of its major weaknesses since it doesn't really offer you much of a challenge. I mean, you don't have that many monsters on the screen. But um, if you just want to sit back and pick up a simple dungeon crawler and do some stressless treasure hunting, I think it might fit the bill. And for external reviews, uh, Atari Mania had 62 votes and it came to 7.8 out of 10. Great. Well, and we're just going to move on to our next review, and that's Gauntlet. That's because we had no user feedback for this game. (laughs) People, I know you're out there and listening. Please send us something. Just say something. Even cease and desist. (laughs) Stop talking. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so on our next game, that's Gauntlet. It was published by Mindscape in the U.S., U.S. Gold in the U.K., and uh, also uh, U.S. Gold's budget uh, title uh, publisher, Kix, produced in 1987 in the U.K. and 1980 in the U.S. The genre, again, is the same as as Dark Chambers. It was a shooter, top-down dungeon crawl. Uh, developers, that's Bob Armour was the programmer. Kevin Bulmer was the graphics Bill Allen did additional programming and sound, and Ben Danglish did music. And they were all from Gremlin Graphics, I guess. Players is one or two simultaneously. I can't say this word. Simultaneously. Thank you. Blah! Can't talk today. So, description in the back of the box is, This is it. The game everybody's waiting for. Gauntlet. One of the most successful arcade games of all time has come home. And it brings with it all the characters, dungeons, traps, treasures, and excitement you loved in the arcades, featuring Thor, Thyra, Questor, and Merlin together again. Ghosts, grunts, demons, lobbers, sorcerers, and death. Poisons, magic, keys, treasure, traps, transporters, and more. All the levels you know and love from the arcade. Two-player, join-at-any-time play system. The action, sound, and animation of the arcade in your home screen. So, although we're talking about the home version of the arcade, I think it would be remiss if we didn't speak a little bit about the um, the original. The arcade version of Gauntlet was almost called Dungeons, as in Dungeons and Dragons. But it turned out the name was already taken, so they settled on Gauntlet on May 10th, 1985. Ed Log. It's started design in September 1983 with the assistance of Robin Ziegler. The team grew to include the following people in their roles. Ed Log was programmer and eventually the project uh, leader. Programmers, again, Robin Ziegler, uh, but she got uh, laid off during development. And so Bob Flanagan joined the team. Uh, engineer was Pat McCarthy. Technicians, Chris Drobny. Audio was Brad Fuller, Hal Cannon, and Earl Vickers. Artists were Sam Comstock, Susan McBride, Alan Murphy, and Will Noble. And the voice of ours was uh, Ernie Fosleilus, if I pronounce that correctly. Um, some of you might know the movie Hardware Wars. Uh, he did voices for that. But he also was the sobbing rancor keeper in Return of the Jedi. So you might have heard his weeping. <laughs> <laughs> when it shipped in October 1985, it came in an only a four-player version. But in June of 86, the two-player version was released to the arcade owners who couldn't afford the more deluxe model. Of course... The way the game sucked quarters directly from my pocket, I'm sure it wasn't long before the arcade owners made their money back. I obtained a lot of information from a video when he was speaking at the 12th annual Game Developers Conference. We'll, again, provide a link in the show notes so you can watch that. It also helped design Asteroids, Centipede, and Super Breakout, as well as eight other coin-op games from 1978 to 1992. Okay, that's enough about the arcade history. Let's do a quick overview. I'm pretty sure you're all familiar with how to play Gauntlet since it's a pretty iconic game, but there might be one or two of you that still need a quick introduction. Essentially, all you need to do is get your player or players to the exit on the level while surviving the perils of the dungeon. Collect valuable items and destroy any monsters that get in your way, but watch out for the biggest enemy of them all, the ever-dwindling health counter. (laughs) So as previously mentioned, you have four characters to choose from, each representing one character class. Each character has four attributes. That's armor, shot power, hand-to-hand combat, and magic. Starting off, we have Thor, who is a warrior. 
His armor, which is listed as tough skin, eliminates 20% of damage. His shot power is excellent, twice the normal power. His hand-to-hand combat is also excellent and can be used to destroy generators. Um, that's and Generators are essentially spawners from uh, dark chambers. But his magic power is poor, uh, which can damage most monsters on the screen, but it will not touch the generators. Second, we have Thyra the Valkyrie. She's equipped with a shield that deflects 30% of damage taken. Her shot power is poor, but her hand-to-hand combat is good. Um, she also has a moderate magical ability. Next, we have the legendary figure Merlin. Unfortunately, his robes provide him with no protection, though he does shoot off a good magic missile. But due to some arthritis, he's a bit poor when it comes to the good old fisticuffs. Of course, prestidigitation is where the sorcerer shines. And when he says the magic words, poof, all the enemies and spawners that are on the screen disappear. Finally, it's Questor the Elf, and he's into leather, which provides him with 10% damage protection. But his arrows do little damage. And although he carries a dagger for close combat, only expect him to inflict a moderate amount of damage to his enemies. His elven heritage provides him with very good magical skills, so expect him to take out most enemies and generators when casting. Players are generally uh, immune to each other's shots, but in some portions of the dungeon, if a player gets struck by a friendly fire, they may be stunned or injured. They don't specify where in the dungeons this happens, so that's unusual, but just, just be aware of it. So, except for death, all monsters uh, spawn from generators. Depending on the level of the generator, it will generate three levels of enemies. Um, The level tells you how many hits uh, the enemy will take. So, for level one, they take one hit. Level two, they take two hits. Level three, I I think you get it. Um, You can destroy generators through physical or magical means. Turning them to dust stops further creatures from spewing forth. Ghosts will hit you once and then disappear. Grunts are club-winning creatures that will treat your head like a baseball. Demons are the top chefs in the hell spawn kitchen, and you are the main dish. They will cook you from a distance with ranged fireballs and eat you with their sharpened teeth. Uh, your best bet to survive is to assault and pepper them up close. <laughs> Sorry, bad puns. <laughs> Lobbers will rock and roll away. From a distance, they'll get you stoned, but if you can corner your quarry, they won't take you for granite again. Sorcerers like to flash you without opening their robes. While invisible, they're immune to your attacks. Death, as long as he's in contact with you, will steal up to 200 health points, uh, then promptly die. I guess this is the case where life kills death. Seasoned players will notice one enemy missing from the game. That's the thief. In the arcade version, uh, the thief did 10 points of damage and also steals something from you. Uh, The item he steals depends on what you have in your inventory. So um, this maze of passages are filled with a variety of objects. Uh, At any time, you can pause the game by pressing the select button, except for the treasure room. There are two types of potions. If shot, they will act upon all enemies on the screen, but their power will be reduced uh, compared to if you actually used them intentionally. Uh, There's a regular kind of potion that allows your character to cast uh, a spell to destroy all monsters and generators, depending on your spellcaster's ability. And then there's these special potions, which will increase current abilities of your player. They are extra armor, extra magical power, uh, extra shot power, extra shot speed, extra fight power, also be called increased hand-to-hand damage. And there's also uh, the extra pickup power, which increases your inventory slot size from 10 to 15 times. Don't exactly know what that means. It wasn't quite clearly explained in the... Um, in the manual, and I didn't actually come across one, so uh, hopefully somebody can figure out what that thing does. To use the potion, player one presses spacebar, and player two presses any of the number keys on the keyboard. Uh, there's also stuff to eat and drink, um, just lying around in a in a dungeon. Yum. Uh, food increases your health and adds 100 points to your score. Cider does the same thing, but actually it can be destroyed if you shoot it. Of course, uh, some bottles look like cider, but taste like poison. So make sure you're looking closely at those bottles, or you might find yourself losing uh, power-ups and 100 points. Keys, of course, open doors, but they also add 100 points to your score. Amulets will turn you invisible for a short time to the denizens of the dungeon. And for some reason, whoever built these dungeons also stored uh, treasure in there. So you have that to pick up. On some levels, you can get around by transporters. Hopping on one of these will teleport you to another transport pad strewn about the level. If you see glowing floor panels, these are traps. Touching them will make the walls disappear. These walls usually hold back hordes of enemies, so just be prepared. Keep your eyes open for old crumbling walls. 
With a little effort, you can bust right through them and allow you to access certain areas of the dungeon that weren't originally accessible. Exits are labeled holes that lead down to a specific level. If you avoid combat for 30 seconds, all the walls on the level turn to exits. When you use an exit, there is a chance that you might end up in the treasure room previously mentioned. Here, you'll have a limited time to collect as much treasure before your time runs out. If you do so, you'll collect some bonus points, but letting the clock run out will allow you to get no points. So let's talk about the legacy of the game. Uh, other than the arcade and 8-bit version, there are also, it was also released on other systems. These were the Atari ST, Amstrad CPC, Apple II, Apple II GS, Apple Macintosh, Commodore 64, MSX, Master System, NES, ZX Spectrum, MS-DOS, and the Genesis. Genesis. Genesis, what's that? Uh, the Genesis port actually was labeled Gauntlet 4 outside Japan and had three additional modes aside from the arcade mode. There were the quest mode, which is kind of an action RPG, battle mode, which is the Deathmatch-style game, and then also record mode, which allowed a single player to um, uh, basically set save points and then access them through a passcode. So you could you know keep going if you wanted to. Uh, there were also uh, an expansion pack released uh, with additional 512 dungeon levels that was released for the Amstrad CPC, MSX, Atari ST, Commodore 64, and ZX Spectrum. Now, the arcade hardware had a close connection to the Atari 8-bit system. It had one 6502 that it used for CPU, and it also had two pokies, one for security and the other for sound effects. And the security was essentially just because it was a, a, a proprietary chip. You had to have it in the machine or it wouldn't, it wouldn't operate. So the problem with that was is everybody would grab 800s and 400s and rip the pokey chips out and put them in these arcade machines. So... Um, and of course, the uh, system had other chips, but it's nice to see that relationship of our beloved home computer and gaming system. So where can you buy this? Well, I found two listings on eBay, one for $50 US dollar, and with $12 shipping. It was the box uh, with the game, but no instructions. But then a more reasonable, well, reasonably priced one was $35.99 US dollar and $4.65 shipping. And this one looked like it had everything, so... Since this game isn't cartridge-based game, which is what we usually do, um, but it's disc-based, uh, one game might have some advantage over the other, but um, we thought it might be fun just to do kind of a quick comparison between the two games to see which one we might choose over the other. So, David, you go first. Before I start my review, I just wanted to say I had a lot of memories playing this in the arcade, uh, especially with my brother, and uh, $10 of quarters disappeared very quickly. <laughs> And um, what just really drew us there was the gameplay was fun, the colors were bright, you had uh, the sound effects were great, the music, and also you had the voiceovers. A voiceover that I would hear always would be like, um, health needs food. You know, I would always remember that. Yeah. You know? So that was really cool. So that's what drew me to the... Um, the um, the game in the arcade. But now we're going to be talking about this home version. Okay. So for graphics, I gave it a 7 out of 10. It had a nice title screen. Well, it was all one color, I, I think I remember it being. But it had a really nice graphic effect on the word itself gauntlet. It had a very nice character selection screen with the floating hand acting as a cursor to choose which character will enter the dungeon. Your character design itself seems to have a little less detail when compared to Dark Chambers. Uh, do like how it tries to duplicate the arcade version as your character spins as it descends into the next level. Now, sound and music. Again, 7 out of 10. Nice intro tune for all us Gauntlet fans. Um, a nice intro tune when you start a level. Um... For gameplay, I gave it an 8 out of 10. It had much more enemies on the screen at any one time, but the enemies seemed to move in a less fluid way. Gauntlet allows for you to choose between four character types, which is a plus. Uh, it has many elements of the arcade, like potions and transporters, etc. On a negative note is that when you choose your characters, you have to change the disc side. Not huge, but back in the day, changing characters and starting new games would have taken a little longer. Uh, this is a positive for having a cart version. Presentation. I gave presentation 8 out of 10. Nice box, disc cover art uh, with uh, game screenshots. However, buyer beware, as these screenshots 
are of the arcade game and not what the 8-bit graphics look like. Some levels look better than others in, in the game. I found in the home version game. So overall, it came out to 7.5 out of 10. Now, when I take a look at the two games, Dark Chambers lets you pick three levels of difficulty. But Gauntlet lets you choose four player types. Both offer you two-player co-op. Your character does look better in Dark Chambers, but Dark Chambers has less enemies on the screen at one time. But kind of makes up for it with the fact that the enemies take multiple hits. In both games, they have enemy generators that can also take multiple hits to destroy. Movement of the enemies is smoother in Dark Chambers, but Gauntlet allows more characters on the screen at one time. I really like them both. So I guess I'm going to chicken out and just say it's really up to you to try them both and see which one is favorite for you. In the <laughs> end, they were both hard for me as a single player. And I think really these games are meant for two-player multiplayer because I know that was the whole draw of the arcade, having uh, you know one version having up to four characters, four people playing simultaneously co-op. And then, of course, we talked about the budget-reduced two-player arcade versions. But I really think in, in both of these games, the fun factor is playing it with a friend. But if I really had to choose one over the other... I think I would have to probably go with Gauntlet because Gauntlet just has a little bit more extra going for it, especially, for example, you know, depending on where you are in the maze, sometimes you can bypass levels. While in the uh, Dark Chambers, it was basically A to Z. It was pretty linear. But when I was playing Gauntlet uh, one time, you know, you you depending on where you go, hey, guess what? If I take this exit, it takes me to level four, you know, so I get to miss a whole bunch of levels. So that's it in the end. Michael, what do you think? Yeah. Um, so before I go into the review, I just want to say that I, when I was doing all the research for these games, which I learned so much, it was great to great to do. Um I actually came across a game that was named, had the same name as Gauntlet. And I actually played this when I was a kid and didn't realize it. I'm like, you know, it's amazing what you come across and memories come back. Um, it was also under a different name called, I guess you pronounce it Gauntle Tack. In any case, it's a space shooter. It's not a dungeon crawler. So, so um, talk about the graphics. I gave the graphics a seven. And I think we're going to go over a lot of similarities here because a lot of things you said kind of jive with what I how I felt I really liked the the, the title screen was nice it uh, you know single color nice rainbow effect uh, well drawn um, I like this the player select uh, screen where you kind of move your joystick around as a mouse and they have these nice giant you know characters um, images of the characters um, the palette of the you know kind of a purple and orange is kind of not exactly the color palette I would use but it, it's fine I do find the game screen to be a bit blocky and I'm guessing it's probably due to the graphics mode they chose and, um, and their needs, their technical needs, but it's definitely noticeable. Um, and it does affect the overall look of the game. I just was, wish there was a little bit more different colors. I mean, it was just kind of the same, like everything on the screen was the same color other than your character. So when the, 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 all the levels would change and change color, so did the monsters. So, um, again, I think this is a limitation, but going back to not to do the comparison, but going back to Dark Chambers, it's definitely possible. So I did like all the character graphics, I think pretty close to the arcade version, aside from a few of them. There's things like sparkle, little animation on the treasures, which makes it look nice. So it's not just static screen. So um, as far as sound and music, I gave it a seven. On the title screen, it's got a little short piece of music that plays before it fading out. It's a competent piece, uh, but not something I found particularly catchy. Um, a portion of the music also gets played before you start each level. Sound effects are fine um, and don't sound like those you've heard in previous games, but I wouldn't say the sound guy would have won any awards with it. As far as gameplay, I gave it a 7. Levels are uh, much different from the arcade version. 
Not a deal breaker, but sort of detracts from the true arcade experience. But Gauntlet isn't about levels. It's about the overwhelming number of enemies. And this game does its best to give you that. I played around on some of the levels just to see how many monsters I could get on the screen. And it was about 52. Uh, I didn't notice any slowdown with my character or, or the monsters, really. But it does. they do seem to move them in waves. So a certain group will move and another group will move. So they're not moving them all at once. But I found out this is sort of the way they did this in the arcade version. So it's very similar. I did notice that uh, enemies don't exactly smoothly scroll. And it does make it look a little unpolished. I wish the game offered a continue feature. So when you're a single player, you basically die, you're dead. I think... I didn't, have, I didn't get a chance to play this with another person, but I would suspect if you're both playing at the same time, uh, one can die and the other one, you know, that person can restart while the other one's still alive. Mm-hmm. So that would have been nice to do, but unfortunately not. Uh, so unless you're really good in single player mode, uh, the only way you're going to see these other levels is to play the co-op uh, game and rejoin. As far as presentation, I gave an 8. Um, in the arcade version, it provides you with a demo screen that explains a bit about the game, as well as uh, comments made during the gameplay, like... Elf health is low or their food is low. Um, and this version doesn't have that feature, but the uh, manual does a really good job of explaining that. And this also has a credit and info screen. Uh, it has a nice font. And uh, I'm not wasn't blown away by this, but the layout was done well, and it um, it was very it was nice nice looking. And it got the information across. Which so if you didn't have the manual handy, you could learn some stuff about the game in that credit screen. Uh, if you boot the machine with this two in, it, you're presented with a message. Hey guys, how about reading the instructions? Now flip the disc and press start. <laughs> I thought this, this was a little bit insulting, but it, you know, the kid in me thought this was uh, kind of amusing. And um, the screen also shows a little rotating disc and the text on the screen, that text I mentioned previously, has kind of a moving or a scrolling marquee, which uh, really makes it look nice. Not bad for a, hey buddy, flip a disc. Uh, the front of the box art is sort of comic book style, and the back has five screenshots. Now, you mentioned these were screenshots from the arcade game, but I look closer, and they're, uh, they mention like all the other systems that they support, or at least some of them, but they had two shots of the ST. And I think this was a U.S. Gold Box version. So they didn't, they had an opportunity to put another system in there, and they chose not to put it in there. So no Atari 8 bit. Kind of disappointing. Uh, the manual isn't in any color, but it does have a decent look to it, and it covers the gameplay pretty well. Well, I gotta say, the ST has really good graphics. It does. It does look good on the. It it does look very uh, reminiscent of the arcade version. So, I was I was quite impressed. As far as uh, the overall score, I give it a seven out of ten. I think it really tries to give you that true gauntlet experience, and it's kind of an uphill battle due to the superiority of the arcade hardware. Uh, even with its limitations, though. I think the game really shines as a two-player game. You said that as well. It's co-op. And um, allowing not only fun with friends, but also giving the opportunity to see more of the levels. So um, which which do I think is better of the two games? Um, again, it's difficult. <laughs> because both games, are they're cut from the same cloth, but they give you kind of a different experience. I mean, they're very similar and they're different. So, um, but if I had to choose, I'd have to take Dark Chambers for my collection. And... Uh, I found both of them, you know, fun to play, but I found Dark Chambers a little more enjoyable. Unfortunately, um, at the you know the difficulty, that's the only thing I don't like about uh, Dark Chambers is it's not really all that difficult compared to Gauntlet, which is really difficult sometimes. But I just thought that Dark Chambers was a little well, better polished. I think I would have chosen Gauntlet if they could just got the smooth scrolling down, then it would have been fine. But again, the differences are so slight that you could go either way, and I think you felt the same way. So. Okay, and uh, we have a review from Atari Mania uh, with uh, 90 votes. They got 7.2 out of 10. And again, no user feedback for this game. <laughs> put, 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 put out like that wind sound effect right here. Mm. <laughs> Anybody out there, out there, out there, out there? Or the crickets. So anyway, all the games that we mentioned here can be downloaded from Atari Mania's uh, website. Well, thank you all for listening to our reviews. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed them and learned something new. And that's a wrap for this episode. So uh, uh, if uh, everything goes well, uh, you should hear from us next year. <laughs> I hope not. I hope we get them out sooner than that. <laughs> all right. Bye, everybody. In our next episode, we serve up a bit of surf and turf. 
first we put everything at stake by entering the battle zone. Then we find out the sub-simulator Gatto is a fresh catch. You can find our latest episodes, news, and information on our website, www.xegs8bit.com. We also have links on there so you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We'd like to thank ComputeHer for giving us permission to use her song software as our show's theme song. You can visit ComputeHer at ComputeHer.com. That's ComputeHer.com for more information. Also, thanks to the folks who contribute to and maintain the Atari Mania database, Wikipedia, and other fine results of Google searching. We are part of the Throwback Network, a group of podcasters with one thing in common. We all love old things. Whether it's old video games, old movies, old toys, or simply old stories, the Throwback Network is the place to find them all. Visit throwbacknetwork.net to learn more. Sorcerers are like to flash you, and without opening the... Sorry, let me read that one again. I'm getting no... Okay, hold on a second. I, 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 Did my, you I, write I, this yourself, yes. or is this in the instructions? <laughs> I wrote this myself. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. First, again. first, it's awesome. I gotta tell you, it's awesome. <laughs> it's it's um, it's Nacho Libre awesome. It's, it's, okay, it's the best. Yeah, it's the best. Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Finally, we have Questor the elf, and he's into leather. <laughs> Which Kate? <laughs> hey, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> we, we but continue. But it does provide him with ten percent damage protection, so that's and good. he doesn't and work at the Blue Oyster. <laughs> yeah, he always uses protection. Um, it's got a really nice intro tune that gets you into that fantasy mood of times long gone. Now, um, now we'll talk about sound and music. For sound and music, I gave it a 7 out of 10. It's got a really nice intro tune that gets you into that. Why am I reading the same thing twice? Okay. Because <laughs> you, you, I think you put it down there twice. <laughs> I know. Okay, so look at this. Even in gameplay, I put nice intro tune. Gets you into fantasy mood. <laughs> you really like that tune. <laughs> Jeez. Just look, okay. Just the music was fabulous. <laughs> fabulous. Okay. Presentation, uh, it was great. I give it an 8 out of 10. The title screen was top-notch. And why did I mention the nice intro tune that gets you into the fantasy mood? Let me... What's that, like, third time? I know. Did you hit the copy-paste too many times? I don't know what happened to me. Let's start again. Michael, what did you think about this game? And don't tell me it was the nice intro tune that gets you into that fantasy mood of medieval times long gone. Well, now that you mention it. Okay.